welcome CFE Research Podcast, a podcast that aims to showcase the practitioner inquiry, scholarship and research being carried out within further education. It takes so much out of you as, as a person and, 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 and what you're doing and the energy you've got left. But things like that, oh yeah, it, it, it really does rejuvenate, rejuvenate me. It's, I, I don't know what it is. It just gives me more energy. It takes out a lot as well, but it, it gives me a lot of energy back. Hello and welcome to FE Research Podcast. My name is Joe Fletcher Saxon and my partner in crime is... It's Alistair Smith. Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very good today. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we are here this evening with Chris Morris. He, he is one of the post-16 officers um, on the National Council at the NEU and is also um, a practitioner within a, an FE college in the field of IT, programme leader. Uh, and he's come to tell us a little bit about how, if you like, what I would call professional curiosity, how a kind of research journey began before it was even research. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Chris. How are you? I'm great, thank you. And, um, you know, thank you very much for having me on the podcast this evening. It's it's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's good to have you. So um, I read recently a blog then that you'd written for the Learning and Skills Research Network, which is a network that has been mentioned in the in the podcast before. Um, so um, just just tell us um, about that and how that came about. Um, well, essentially, it was um, raising the profile of um, what I'm looking at in terms of professional development, um, practitioners in the classroom, um, being able to reflect on their own practice and be able to have other people um, come in and help them in their development without feeling judged or under any kind of a spotlight or, or anything like that. And it, the LSRN blog came about simply by me Googling. I um, just had a, you know, I just wanted to cast a wider net as I possibly could in getting in contact with anyone who would essentially listen to me really. And so that's how that the blog came about um, through the um, LSRN, and it was you know it's an absolute fantastic opportunity. It's, it's just to kind of raise the profile of of what I'm doing and talking to other people within the FE sector as well. So it's uh, how it came about. Really, is just my own professional curiosity. It was my experience is that you know I've been an um, FE practitioner now for about eight years I've been in industry prior to that that you know that's a very very common entry route for people into further education it's something that you tend to do as a, as a second or third or fourth career if you'd asked me 10 15 years ago would I ever be stood up in front of a group of teenagers on a regular basis I would have said no no way um, but you know here I am and it's I spent a year doing the diploma in education and training at a very small college um, quite local to me and that was a really tough experience as it is for for anyone I think really regardless of which part of the ed education sector you're in and uh, one of the things I quickly became frustrated with was um, how I was or how, how somebody new to the industry education industry was supported in in transferring all the skills that you have from industry because um, you walk in the classroom and think oh well you know I know what I'm doing I know what's required of the job I'll just tell the students how to do that and then you quite quickly realize that trying to manage a group of of 16 to 18 year olds is a completely different mm -hmm. animal to anything that you've ever encountered before yeah absolutely so um what you 
began to focus on was the world of uh, lesson observation, wasn't it? Definitely, yeah. And as I sort of mentioned um, just briefly, it was my own experience was, was very mixed. It was actually quite negative in many ways. Um, my experience was, right, okay, well, I have a period of delivery and, and somebody would come in and kind of with a, with a chart very much based off the previous Ofsted model of, you know, outstanding, good or requires improvement. And it was it was literally a tick box exercise. Mm-hmm. And somebody would spend 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes sometimes and come out with a judgment and say, well, you should have done this or you should have done that. And I was like, well, I don't really see how that's actually improving and helping me kind of build confidence other than sort of somebody who's got a lot more experience than me basically pouring scorn on, on what I was doing so and that's not to say that the people who were you know I had in contact with during that that time were anything other than well-intentioned that's not my suggestion at all I think it's just mm-hmm. that um you know it, it, the process needed looking at again and, and that's where it kind of you know all these years later like I said I've been doing it eight years now that's really where it kind of you know started and why I wanted to kind of learn a little bit more about it mm. so um committed to uh, finding out more about the lesson observation you then reached out to quite a lot of colleges didn't you do you want to tell us a bit about that I did yeah I mean it started fairly small because it was conversations with my own colleagues uh, conversations with people um, in other um, parts of the education system as well and I just said you know what is your lived experience of um lesson observation you know what, what, how do you feel when you know it's it's coming around because for most people it's an annual process certainly in my experience um how do you feel afterwards you know where do you feel it you know how do you feel it really works so it started there and i got so you know some really interesting feedback um lots of different people where some found it really really supportive others not so much and everything in between and then i went to local colleges within my area and similar sort of process again and one thing i really found was how open everybody was regardless Mm. of the role that they're in senior management all the way down to people on the shop floor I suppose you could say really and they were really keen just to share their experiences so from that point then because I was always guarded about right well whatever I found out could somebody say it wasn't representative enough could somebody say oh well you've only talked to 10 15 people you know that, that doesn't really mean anything does it so that's when I went national and I kind of went overboard massively <laughs> I, you know I, I I just wanted to contact as many people as I possibly could so I went and and contacted um pretty much all of the FE um colleges in England um there's quite mm-hmm. a few of them yeah and I you know I've been gathering um data about their experiences more from the managerial side of things so how they how they train their observers, um, what they do afterwards, um, what the support is like. And I'm, you know, I'm sat on quite a treasure trove of, of information, really. You really are. So you must have a really good picture then of all the various uh, models that are in use across the sector. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've only really been able to scratch the surface of it um, in terms of what I've actually been able to to chore through um, because, you know, this all sort of came together really at the end of July, just as we were going off for the summer break. And, you know, you have that well-intentioned idea of, right, well, once about a couple of weeks off and I've rested and I've caught up on sleep and eating and everything else that you, you, it sort of goes out the window when you're, when you're teaching. Um, but it didn't happen because you know you just mm. kind of just forget about well not forget about it I just wanted to kind of relax but I have kind of scratched the surface of it and yes there are lots of different models out there because my initial experience was in a college where it was the traditional graded lesson observation so um you know you had a small period of time you had a a notice period of about three days you didn't know which lesson they were coming into so you plan to the nth degree it took hours in marking and, and parental phone calls and things like that went out the window because you didn't know which which one that you were you were doing and then as I began to talk to colleges right across the country I was really surprised and taken aback by how much the sector has moved on from that generally and mm. the models are much more supportive in developmental in, in nature and uh, some of them are completely developmental um, yeah they are especially uh, I came across one college who is um doing a model championed by Professor Matt O'Leary out of Birmingham City University and others as well, where they talk about unseen observation and, and that's completely out left field. There's basically nobody, as far as I can see, nobody goes into your lesson, you know, you self-evaluate and, and ask, for, ask for help if you need it. Uh, but most of the models out there were, they removed the grade, great, absolutely fantastic. Um, but it's what happens afterwards that kind of still makes it about accountability rather than actually fully yeah. developmental so you know that's that's generally where most colleges seem to be from from what I've seen looked at so yeah. far like I said I've probably looked at about 10% of what I've actually gathered so far right yeah you're right treasure trope well it, it's interesting is I think I, I I kind of think Matt's uh body of work is is sort of aligned to a coaching process and often gets spoken about in coaching fields. I think. I mean, I don't. I don't know whether he'd define it as that. When you were gathering the data, were you asking whether they, the colleges, positioned their lesson observation as a quality assurance process or a teaching and learning process, or the two hand in hand? Um, when I initially co uh, contacted colleges, no, because um, I must admit I didn't. I didn't think about that at the time. It was very much. Um, I've got a very short window to contact all these colleges and I did them in blocks over a period of about a month, month and a half, something like that. So primarily I was just asking, still, you, do you still use graded lesson observations? Mm. If so, why? Um, if you've moved away from that within the last five years, I'll put a bit of a time frame on it. Can you give me the rationale why? Uh, mm. Can you tell me a little bit about how you train your um, observers and, and the processes that are underpin that so it was only later on actually when I spoke to I've spoken to probably about three or four different principals across the country having zoom meetings teams meetings phone calls and I've also spoken to several quality managers in different colleges up and down uh, the country as well and that's where I've got that additional insight on top of what I actually found out when mm. I contacted them in, in the first place so all of this we should make clear was 
was not not a rec- not a sort of a formal research journey. This was all before you'd even given thought to well, actually, this could be something that you pursue more formally. So I'm going to um, hand over to um, Alistair now to uh, probe a bit more. <laughs> yeah, well, um, right, Chris, where this starts, this this is brilliant because just before, and it, it follows on from what Joe was saying. Just before we started recording, we were we were having a conversation with you, and. Um, Ultimately, you said, you know, you, you stumbled across the LSRN um, by a Google search, um, but you were telling us that this kind of like this, this lit something up for you. So tell us what happened there. You know, what what was that stage next of discovering the LSRN and, and where's that taken you really? Oh, yeah, like I said, it just took on a life of its own. It started as a, as a pure curiosity, as, 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 a, as a wanting to know what was going on, not only in colleges locally, but nationally as, as well. And then I've always liked research. I've always liked finding out new new things. And I enjoy that whole um, research process, um, you know, because I only... I, went back after I'd spent a number of years in industry, I went back and did an access course. Then I went to university and well, actually no, I did a foundation degree and then went to university to do a top-up degree. And then during lockdown, I, I finished my master's and I, I swore blind that I'd never do any further uh, qualifications because it was extremely hard, extremely hard trying to do it in my own time. But I really, un- underneath it all, I really enjoyed it. And then I thought, you know what, I feel like I've got something big here um, I, I haven't really come across anyone who's who's done anything like this on this scale so much. Um, I mean, there's, you know, teaching observation and teacher development is not a novel area. I've, I know I've read um, studies where people have done something similar, but I didn't come across anyone that I've spoken to who said, you know what, I don't know why you're doing this. I don't know why, you know what's the point really everybody seemed to be really really keen to to know more and and it, i sort of thought well actually yeah I, I want to do more myself i want to be the person who finds these things out and you know i, I, I came across the lsrn completely by accident and, and went along to your um meeting out in birmingham back in um april and it just went from there and the contacts i made were absolutely fantastic and somebody said to me have you thought about doing this as a as an ed as a professional um doctorate and my first question was well what's an ed i mean i knew about a phd um but i didn't know what an ed was and then i sort of went and had a look and i was like actually yeah this seems as though it could it could work it seems to be designed for for people in in, in my sort of situation and um you know so yeah it just went from there and uh, i can't get enough of it really that's really nice to, to hear. And we often talk about on on the podcast, and we've said it a few times before, that research is um, quite often rejuvenating for those that are involved in and doing that. Would you say that this whole process has kind of given you that extra spark? You said, you know, you, you've been teaching for, for those eight years or something. It, I, I felt for me that I was at a time in my career where doing the research just lit a fire underneath me and, and kind of got me going again. Is that this same kind of process for you? Oh, completely. Yeah, it's been really rejuvenating. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard job, isn't it? And and as is with a lot of professions these days. And, um, you know, I think once once I'd sort of got past maybe kind of year six in terms of the number of years I've been doing it, you know, you carve out your own little bit, you get not comfortable, but you sort of know where it is, and you know where you're going with it. And I thought, you know what, I, actually, this this is kind of just 
fills me with energy and I think that it's been able I've been able to to rejuvenate my my teaching as well and the additional insights that I've I've gained from talking to um practitioners right across the country i've been able to feed that into our own um advanced teaching practitioners of you know the, what we call them um in terms of how they go around and support teacher development and yeah and i just fit there are times where it, i think oh i'm not sure how long i can keep doing this only really just because it, it takes so much out of you as, as a person and, and 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 what you're doing and the energy you've got left but things like that oh yeah it, it, it really does rejuvenate me it's I, I don't know what it is it just gives me more energy it takes out a lot as well but it, it gives me a lot of energy back um, and you said that you're seeing this kind of growing research culture in fe do you think that's a part of it that it's this um the the rejuvenation factor perhaps fuels some of that that growth in research and the community that goes with it as well Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think it's kind of breaking sort of preconceptions or stereotypes, I suppose, as well, because um, I suppose maybe with in line with large other areas of the education sector, you know, we tend to be seen as sort of the, the disseminators of existing knowledge rather, rather than, you know, we can also be the creators of new knowledge. You know, people say research, academia, oh, well, that's universities, isn't it? That's that's people. That's what they do there. And I've said, well, actually, no, you know, I think F is such a broad church. Um, we do lots of, of brilliant work alongside other areas of the education sector, of course. And you know, we're often overlooked as well. I think it was uh, education minister back in the 1980s under under Margaret Thatcher referred to us as the Cinderella sector because we're kind of overlooked a little bit. And I think this is about positioning us as yes, you know, we have that element where we are quite closely aligned to schools and 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 adults as well. And you know, people come to us all sorts of points in their lives educational journey retraining after redundancy or that sort of thing but also i think we can also align a little bit of what we're doing with um research at kind of university level as well but not just that formal process of doing an ed or a phd i think one of my big drivers is democratizing research i think research can just simply be having a curiosity having something that you want to find out and going out and finding out about it it doesn't have to be in that that kind of traditional academic sense necessarily actually yeah you, you've hit on something there chris that really is the the foundation behind one of the reasons why we we put the podcast together um, is to add to that democratized process. It's the ability to give a platform to people like yourself to come and talk through um, your research, research ideas and stuff. And some are really, you know, nuanced and niche and, and fit certain areas. But the stuff you're looking at, Chris, I think it would impact everyone in every kind of staff room conversation uh, up and down the the country because everyone um has some feelings about lesson observations or not having lesson observations or um unseen observations or or um you know uh, learning walks and then you sometimes hear this bizarre thing of we've got rid of all of the feedback and then people worry that there was no feedback for the, for the things that they were doing so it's a it's a really interesting topic that you're picking up that really does impact on everyone as well so i think that's that's really interesting but yeah thank you very much for sharing some of your thoughts on that with us 
You're welcome. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely fascinating, and I think it's such an emotive subject as well. And um, you know, I've, I've like I said, I've talked to principals, I've talked to quality managers, and you know, I I, I want to get different perspectives, different people's inputs on things, rather than just looking at it through the lens of of someone who was on the receiving end of it and talking to people who are just on the receiving end of it. Um, because you know, I, I get it. I know you know the the high stakes accountability system that we have, and and this country and you know principals and, and quality managers are under you know they do a very difficult job as we all do and in, 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 in very difficult times and you know we are accountable for a lot of things and, and very you know and it can almost drive a lot of your lot of your practice but there is having said that certainly you know quite a number of the principals I talked to there was that recognition that well actually you know you have to um, empower the practitioner to feel um, trusted, to feel valued, and you know the kind of that's how you get the most out of people. Of course, you need to have some way of of supporting people who just aren't up to the to the to the standard. I mean, I'm, you know, it doesn't matter what job you're in; they're always a, a small element of, of of that. But when I talk to quality managers, when I talk to principals, and I say to them, "Well, how many times have you actually had to use this?" very procedural HR process almost really to kind of manage somebody out the door who just just it just isn't for them you know they, you just can't have them in that classroom and it comes down to people well would I want my own child being taught by somebody um, like that and most of the time is they can think of maybe one or two people in the last 10 years um, so then the question for me becomes, well, why do you need it tied to this sort of accountability process if, well, most of the time it, it, you don't you don't need it? Um, you know, there's there's lots of other ways that we can be held accountable and, 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 and where you can sort of quantify what is very much a qualitative process. Yeah, for sure. It's full of um, complexity and contradiction, isn't it? Lesson observation. Look, I just wanted to... Um... Round, round off uh, by asking next steps with um with this w w field of work that you're looking at in terms of both inside your own college but also um in terms of studies or you know where, where you're going to take it next Chris well certainly within my own college I've got you know a very good um relationship with um my senior management and our quality manager as well we've had some really um open ended and very constructive conversations um and also about you know also with the advanced teaching practitioners in my own college you know I, I've talked to them and say like you know what is it your to your experiences of, of of doing this and so in terms of where I want to take it with my own sort of journey as it like as you like I'd really want to to start a um, professional doctorate I've um, been to, to my local university and they're really keen to to sign me up there's a couple of things I need need to get in place before then um, I mean ideally I'd like to start in January um, because that's the next window of, of when it starts there's a few things within you know kind of how I make it work with my current full-time job that I need to need to kind of square away and, and, and sources of funding as well I've um, talk to the uh, AOC because they've got their research further um, scholarship scheme and although they haven't announced it for, for next year I, I understand that's that's looking you know very likely um, you know and so you know I want to kind of go with it but if I have my own way if everything happens the way I want it to then you know in a couple of months time I'll be on that 
on that journey and, and it's going to be a challenge and it's going to be really, really hard and it's going to be a commitment for years. But um, I think as long as I can do that and still have a life, I, I think I'll be fine. But <laughs> we'll have to see what we'll have to see what happens. That, but that's definitely where I want yeah. to take it. Have, ha, having a life, we, I think we've forgotten what that is, me and Alistair. I, well, I think, <laughs> though, I, I think, though, I'd like to say, Chris, going back to the rejuvenation thing, it is hard and, and it's difficult. And I remember Joe having a conversation with uh, with Gary Husband on here saying, asking for a friend, should we do a, a PhD? Um, and we we encountered on that journey. But that rejuvenation that, that you mentioned before is kind of a big part of that. So it's hard work, but I'm sure um, that that you'll enjoy the process and get quite a lot from it yeah. anyway. So yeah, good luck with that process. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good luck and thank you. Thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. Pleasure to be here. You have been listening to the FE Research Podcast, a Sheep Hill Studio production. Thanks for listening and we hope you can join us again soon.